Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Thank you, Pastor Marty and worship team. Isn't it always just the highlight of the week to be here and to worship God together. I know it is for me. You know, everything uh, during the week points to this moment that we share together. And I'm, I'm grateful to, to be in God's presence with you today. And uh, we just believe that God has more for us in His Word as we share it together in the remaining time that we have. And I would want to invite you to uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 42 through 47, so kind of the back end of that chapter. Oftentimes a passage that is preached on Pentecost Sunday, and this is not Pentecost Sunday, but it is still the work that God wants to do in His body and among His people. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, let's read that together, and uh, then we will pray and dedicate the remaining time that we have to the Lord. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the number of the church daily those who were being saved. Father, we thank you for these words that give us a window into the birth of the church. Lord, that reveal, Lord God, the things that Your church is to be about and the things that make us different from the world around us. And Lord, this moment that we share together in Your Word is just a unique moment, Lord. Lord, we've come from many different places and we've had many different experiences, Lord throughout this week, but now as we sit in this room and as we gather in homes, Lord God, watching this service, Lord, we understand how precious of a moment this is. And we pray, Lord, for the life of Your Word to be released into our lives. We pray that this would be a moment, Lord, of You filling us up of You, Lord God, bringing back to our remembrance, Lord, the things that You are wanting to speak to us. And Lord, we pray that in this time You would have Your way. That You would lead. You would speak. And You would rise above, Lord God, everything that we have gone through and everything that awaits us in the week to come that we might have our focus, Lord, placed right where You would want it to be. So Lord, not our will, but Yours 
be done. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I was looking at this text uh, this week, kind of afresh and anew, I was reminded and, and, and really kind of drawn to um, the reality of how we might be tempted to view this text. Uh, you know, life oftentimes brings us to moments that seem unbelievable and even some things that we hear that seem too good to be true. And I think that we face that temptation when we read a scripture like this. We might read it and in our hearts land at the place where we say, you know what, that is unbelievable. That is too good to be true. And, and I want to remind us today that, that that is not the way that we should receive this word. That as we see the early church you know, beginning to, to figure out how to be a people and how to be you know, those who are Christ's representatives within the world. That when we would see that and we would say, you know what? That was for then, but not for now. Things have changed. The world has shifted. Our lives are occupied by things that are much more complicated. And as I hear the the Scripture speaking to us this morning, I hearing it drawing us back to the simplicity of who we are called to be. That the, the, the church is, is being reminded that, 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 that life together as the body of Christ is not to be as complicated as we want to make it out to be. And as we look back to Acts chapter 2, the Lord is just saying to us, here is the simplicity of community and kingdom life that I have called you to. And here's the reality. We might be tempted to believe that this is unbelievable or too good to be true. But I'm believing that God is wanting to reinforce within us today through remembrance that the kingdom of God is very different from the world that we live in. That we are called to be not among the world, but called out from the world. That the way that we live life and the way that we prioritize our time is to be different. And in some ways, this morning is a little bit of a continuation from last week. Because you'll remember last week, we, I, I just kind of felt compelled last Sunday morning to shift gears. And, and it was just in response to things that were taking place within our own community. And, and through that, we, we made that declaration that we as the church need to be different. And that the, 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 the gospel... And the transformation of, of hearts and lives is to be a priority among the people of God. Today I want to just unpack a little bit about how we are to be different. Because you know we always get a good hearty amen when we say, you know the church is called out and it's separate and it needs to be different. You know, but today I want to talk about how we need to be different. 
You know, what's the practical application that the Lord would bring to our lives? I think we see it very clearly in our text this morning. We see kind of seven practices of the early church. And, and as, I, as I share that, you might say, oh great, another to-do list. We see some values that they recognized that, that made them a part of the kingdom of God and not of this world. And, and I'm going to reinforce them for just a moment. You know, I'm not going to give you a, a sermon on each one because you've heard many. But rather, I'm going to give you a nugget. Because these, these seven practices of the early church are things that we are to value and to esteem and to make time for. Because they create a greater context for us to encounter Jesus and to see His work done in us and through us. So what are these seven values? The first one is fellowship. Verse 42 just kind of kicks it off, right off with fellowship. Your fellowship is a priority among the people of God because love and devotion to one another are expressed in fellowship. You know, if, if you say that you are my friend, or if you are my brother, if you are my sister, and we don't spend time together, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Kind of like if you tell your, your spouse or your family that you love them, and, and you don't spend time with them, your words are going to be empty and shallow. And we see that at the birth of the church, the Lord was was um, establishing a clear value of being together in fellowship because it was the context where love and relationship was established. But then that was built upon by communion. They received communion together. You know, we do that once a month here, some traditions do it every time they meet. Others do it more infrequently. But the idea around communion here is that when we come together, we are celebrating what God has done. We are remembering the power of the cross. We are remembering our risen Savior. We are declaring the good things that He has done in the now. Because He is alive and He is risen and we have a hope that He is coming again. And we remember these things because they are a source of joy in our lives. It's not just rote memory and the declaration of things that have happened in the past, but as we look back and remember these things, they produce joy within us. Teaching. They held to the apostles' teaching. You know, this was such an integral part of the early church that as the body began to grow and the responsibilities began to increase, 
the apostles or the early church leaders said, you know what, we cannot manage and do all that needs to be done. So they raised up among them deacons and servants. Why? So they could devote themselves to prayer and to the study of God's Word so they could teach and declare the heart of God to the people. And it's important that, that our teachers teach from a position of having heard the voice of the Spirit. Because these are not to be just empty words written on a page, but there is life there within. And when we gather, we receive that life. And it is essential because as we learn the Word of God, we learn who we are. Identity is formed and fashioned. It begins to paint this picture among us of what new life looks like. And we grow in our identity as we receive the Word of God. Then it says they gave. See, I think this is one of the things that sets God's people apart significantly. We don't we don't live and exist to just get all we can. And that's what the world says. Man, the world says get all you can. Keep it for yourself. And accumulate as, as many riches as possible. They grew in giving because they understood a principle. What I have is not mine. But it is simply a resource that God has given me to steward. And because of that, they, they demonstrated voluntary generosity. As they saw a need, they gave towards the need. If God moved for them to give through more than what they just had in their hand at the moment, they sold things as an act of obedience. And they were not under compulsion. See, and that's the difference. Some have taken this text to say, you know, um, the kingdom is like communism. And there's a, a distinct difference. The Lord changes the heart <laughs> And the heart gives voluntarily where the world system of communism and socialism would say we dictate that you give and what you do without heart transformation. They look very similar, but they are polar opposites. They gave. It says they worshipped. They worshipped. <sighs> Worship is life-giving. Because as we worship, we declare the truth about God. We affirm those truths as we sing. And you know what? What is heard may not be just for you, but it might be just exactly what the person around you needs to hear. You see, as we come into the house of God, we're called to enter His courts with praise. We're called to declare the, the, the goodness of God. And that's why we have these moments as we worship 
where we pause and we just speak out words that aren't on the screen. We, we, we express gratitude. We, we, we offer celebration. We, we testify. And you know, I want you to know that as you're doing that, you know, that is directed towards God because He has done it. But what He has done may bless those around you. I know I've been in many a context, many a worship service here, where I've just found myself focused on something and I pause. And I'm waiting on the Lord. And, and, and I'm, 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 I'm humbling my heart before Him. And as I do that, I hear something that's spoken spontaneously around me. And it's precisely the answer or the word that I needed. <laughs> How many of you have heard that had the same experience? Yeah. You know, that's why we're called to enter in. And we're not, we're not called to just be spectators. But we're called to be participators. It's because you never know how the Lord is going to use you even in the context of a worship service. Prayer. So they devoted themselves to prayer. Prayer is just fellowship with God. Church, I want to remind you today that the Lord has prepared a secret place for you. <laughs> and it's found. When we separate ourselves from everything going on during the day, and in humility of heart, we bow our knee before our Creator. And the Scriptures give us a picture of what happens there, and it's so beautiful. It says that we come under the shadow of His wing. There's a covering that's symbolic of God's presence because He responds to humility. He responds to the cry of our heart. And prayer opens the door. And I feel this morning like the Lord would just say to some of you, I beckon you to come. I invite you in. I'm here waiting. He wants to fellowship with you. I think maybe as a way to just establish that as a pattern for this week. Maybe we each need to just dedicate ourselves to Him again this morning.
before we close our time together, determine the time that you are going to set apart. And I want to give you a moment to do that right now. To just say, Lord, here is the time that I am going to give to you one on one. Because here's the thing. You know, when either something needs to be established or increased, there has to be intentionality behind it. And I want you to define that step. When is it going to be? And I encourage you to write it down. We see these practices in the early church. Prayer and the final one is evangelism. Love for the lost. not a love for why they are lost. But it's a love that declares you don't need to be lost. Here's my conviction. whether we boil it down to individuals or whether we just kind of define it as all of mankind. The world that we live in is filled with people who are looking for a way. They're looking for a way out. They're looking for another path. And more people than we are willing to recognize are dissatisfied with the options they have embraced. Because they have, they have heard it said that material things will satisfy. You know, they've heard it said that success will fill my void. You know, they've heard it said that, you know, spiritually, I can, I can go my own way, I can do my own thing. And more people than we recognize have found those options to be bankrupt. And they're looking for a way. And church, this is why we need to be different. Because when the, when the church embraces 
the practices of the world, we become just another watered-down alternative. But when we see the church in Acts being started, we see a people who were saying, my life is going to embrace certain values because these are the values of the kingdom that I now belong to. And those values establish my priorities. And when we're distinct, we provide the answer. And we show the way for what everyone is looking for. And um, I'm going to take a little tangent here. And I won't be able to be super specific in relation to uh, the text here, so forgive me for that, because I'm I'm pulling, I'm pulling from the back burner here. But you know, I, I recently read in, 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 in Revelation a scripture that just reminded me of everything that was not going to last. Thing, the things that would be burned up In the end. And when I look at our modern age, they're the things that we pursue the most sometimes. And it forces this question. How do we want to stand before the Lord one day? And the church answer is, well, you know, I want to hear the words, well done, good, and faithful. And then you know what? That should be the desire of our heart. But the Scripture is clear. There are going to be some who are going to stand on that day and essentially hear the words, why did you make that the main thing? And earthly and temporary things should not always be our highest pursuit. And sometimes that means we have to make decisions that look a little bit different than what everybody else around us is making. I don't want to make this about me because, you know, I'm following Jesus and figuring it out just like all of you. When I was turning 16 and 17 and looking for that first job, I did what you do. You don't know what you want to do, so you apply for everything, right? <laughs> 
you know, it's, you, you just, wherever there's a sign in the window, you put your application in, right? And, and I had really hoped um, to get into a, a hardware store kind of a job, because I thought that would be cool. So, this name is going to take you back, but Builder Square. You know, I'd put an application in there to be a loader or, you know, whatever the entry-level position was and didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. And then another old-school take-you-back name, Highlander, called. (laughs) And they just said, you know, um, we'd like to hire you to work in the produce department. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know much about fruit and salad bars, but let's just go for it i was working with another young man who was in the church here so i thought that'd be kind of cool to be able to be with him and about three months into that job builder square finally called he said you know we'd like to hire you they said what's your schedule and I said, well, I'm a student, so I'm available in evenings, and I go to church on Sunday. And the manager on the other line said, well, if you can't work Sundays, we can't hire you. Hung up the phone. It's kind of like my first encounter with the real world. You know, like, wow, this is... This is a little bit different. Talked with my parents. And in their wisdom, they said, you know, maybe maybe you should approach it a little bit different. You know, remind them that you're going to take up all their evenings and you will work every Saturday. And that if you know, they found themselves in a real pinch. You know, you'd be able to, to maybe come in on a Sunday after church. So I called that manager back. And I said, you know, I, I, I think I can bring some value to, you, to your company that you're not seeing. I'll take all the hours nobody wants on evenings and Saturdays. And if you're really, really in a pinch, I can be in by noon on Sundays. And they hired me. And here's the thing. I didn't work a single Sunday in my five years with the company. And that entry-level position put me into a position for what financed my college education. And I just share that to say this. Sometimes we need to look different. And when we're taking a stand, we can trust that the Lord will take care of us. People are looking for a way. We need to set an example that they can follow. 
that is different and not one that just looks a little bit more cleaned up than every other option that they have been exposed to. The values and the practices of the early church. You know, they, they paint a picture for what it looks like to be in the kingdom. And they're not just tasks on a to-do list, but they create a context for us to encounter Jesus. You see, I don't think in Acts chapter 2 the apostles were having to send out emails and make phone calls that were just trying to encourage people you know, to be in fellowship and in communion and in worship. I mean, what kind of jumps out at the page at me is just like a, a sense of life and anticipation and an identity that says, this is who I am. And it was that way because those values and practices created the context for them to encounter Jesus, the risen Savior. And it was those encounters that produced transformation. It was those encounters that changed their hearts. It was those encounters that renewed their minds. It was those encounters that, that as time went on, caused them to look less like the world and more like Jesus. And I want to say the church needs to recapture that identity. That when we come together in these moments, that, that, that when you are in Bible study together, that when you are in small group together, when you are in prayer meetings together, that when, when you are gathered around coffee, one-on-one -on -one with one another, those should be moments where Jesus is at the center and He is speaking and He is revealing Himself and He is doing the things that transform us. Because that is precisely you know, how I define this, this phrase, Jesus encounter. It's a moment that causes us or others to see Him, to enter into His presence, and to understand Him more. And we do that with one another, but we also do that with those who are outside of the body of Christ. Our words and our life should reveal Him. The Scriptures declare this. First, or, or rather, John one twenty nine. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So here John is baptizing people. He's got his disciples around him. There are crowds. And Jesus kind of comes over the horizon, down the road. And John stops what he is doing. And he says, look! The one who is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world is coming into our presence. 
In doing so, he declared the mission of Jesus because he wanted everyone around to see him for who he was. That's a Jesus encounter. It's John saying, look, the focus isn't to be on me here. There's where your focus needs to be. Psalm 89.15, this has stuck with me all weekend. I have just kind of found myself reciting this. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. Do you know the joyful sound? (laughs) It's a sound that's only found in the presence of God and among His people. In its joyful Because it elevates. It elevates and reveals God. Through our fellowship and our communion and our teaching and our giving and our worship and our prayer and our evangelism. When the translators were translating that into the English, they, they put the word continence at the end because it just brought a little more clarity, a little bit easier sentence structure. The Hebrew word used there literally translates to the word face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your face. We don't really talk about this much, but the Scriptures are filled with examples of how God desires desires to fellowship with us Face to face. There's a a proximity and an intimacy that is to be a part of our walk with Him. The priestly prayer. You said that His face would shine upon us. We're called to seek His face. And it's because in, 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 in seeing Him, we see His heart. We begin to understand Him. And, and, and God is, is not like those that we're used to being around. Because in, in, in this world... You know, when you enter into a room, you, you are programmed to, to be drawn to those who are making eye contact with you and to those who are responding positively. That's why when you walk into a crowd, if, if, if someone looks at you and frowns, you typically don't engage them. If they look at you and they smile, you typically want to have 
an encounter with them. You want to communicate with them. You, you want to have heart connection with them. And here's the reality that the Lord wants us to know about Him. That when we come into that secret place and we fellowship with Him and we call upon His name, He looks at us and He wants to look at us closely. And He smiles upon us. Because we are His. And I want you to know that we serve a God who reveals Himself. He wants us to see Him. He wants us to behold Him. I want to ask you the question, what have you been looking at? Because here's the thing. You become attached to the things that you look at. You become attached to where you place your focus. And the Lord says, I want you to behold me and to look upon me higher than everything. Because in doing so, you find life. And everything else is an imposter. It's an illusion. It's a false reality. And the early church understood this. They practiced these values as a means to stay connected to Christ and to one another. Let me give you this. Here was the result. Because this text, it gives us the beginning and the end here. In verse 43, it says that they were in awe. The, the, the word there translated from the Greek into the English is the word fear. But, but it's, it's, it's the word for fear that means awe. In other words, they were in awe of what God was doing around them. We used to sing that old song, right? I stand, I stand in awe of you. O God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. They were standing in awe of the signs and the wonders that were going on. You know, Matthew got to finally say, you know, I'm not the only tax collector among the group now. people were coming to know the Lord daily. There was unity. They were knit together with a bond of peace and a unity that was only found in Christ. 
plenty of things to talk about in the day. You know, the nation was still under Roman rule. Can you imagine what life was like shortly after the resurrection? I mean, think about this for a minute. What happened? Did they steal his body? Did he rise again? Is this a conspiracy? Who are these Jesus people? Are they a threat? The church is looking at, at significant issues like what do we do? Do we go underground? Do we hide? We, we know we've been called to share the gospel. Where do we do it and how do we do it? I mean, there were plenty of things. But in the middle of it all, they were in unity, it says. Gladness in verse 46. They were filled with gladness. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for He has made me glad. Come into His presence with thanksgiving in your heart. Favor was upon them in verse 47. You know, the favor of God is unlike anything. It's, it's confounding In a world that's used to business models and strategies and seminars and books, they embrace these principles and and when they see the favor of God upon the church, they scratch their head and they go, how in the world did that happen? Well, it happened because God was in it. And in the kingdom, the church doesn't function within its own strength. But Peter says it functions through the strength that only God supplies. And the world don't get it. And God gets the glory. Salvations in verse 47, the result. Daily. Daily. You know, we're on a string now of, you know, a handful of weeks where over the course of our weekend people have been coming to the Lord. And I celebrate that. But you know, I'd like daily more. You know, not just someone responding to a service. Someone responding to you in the marketplace. Daily. So I asked the question last week, you know, what kind of hour are we in? And I'll just state that I believe that we are in an hour where the Lord wants His church to be a reflection of Him. Embracing 
these values, having spent time looking upon His face, reflecting Him, not just going through the motions, but making Him known and knowing Him more. And I want you to know Him more today than you knew Him yesterday. And I want to give you just a simple thing that facilitates that. It's another practice that's not listed in our text, but one I'm sure they were doing. And that practice is this. Imitate Him. Followers of Jesus are called to follow His example. John chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. These are red letters. Jesus saying to His disciples, If I then, your Lord and Teacher, have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. That's the first Monday Thursday there. Jesus washing the feet of His disciples. And we have taken it very literal within the church. You know, where Monday Thursday is foot washing service and and, and you have probably been in one where people are washing one another's feet as an example of servanthood and humility. And there's nothing wrong with washing feet. But the greater principle is this. Jesus is saying, follow my example. Be a servant. Humble your life. Walk as I have walked. Do what I have done. Why? Because a little bit later on, he says, I'm only going to be with you a little bit longer. We imitate what we observe. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, this is another reason why you need to look upon my face. Here's the good news for all of us. The example of Jesus is elevated higher than every other example. Part of moving away from the old life and into the new is sometimes undoing some patterns. And when you follow Jesus, He will break those things and replace them. And there is an example that we are called to follow first. I'll give you this and then we'll, we'll close. 
John chapter 13. Verse 34. And 35, we'll take it. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Here's the place of love. The position of love. It's the first thing that we are to imitate. Because the fullness of everything else flows out of love. It's the starting point and the defining characteristic of our journey. And Jesus says, when we make it first, it reveals us to be His. It's our identity. It defines what kind of people we are called to be, how we are to be different. And I want to affirm just a couple of things as we prepare to leave. Because, you know, sometimes we uh, need to remind ourselves Sometimes we need to preach to ourselves. Sometimes we just need to recite certain things to give us vision and clarity. And as we are called to be imitators of Him, I want you to kind of know where the target is for Rock Church. And there are other things that could be and will be added to this list. But I want to give you three things. As a people, as a congregation, we will walk in love. Rock Church, as a people, we will live to make a difference. To make the most of every opportunity, whether it is here as we gather over the course of a weekend or whether it be an encounter out in the marketplace during the week we live to make a difference to bring kingdom values and kingdom identity into the equation and then i'll just add this last one rock church we as a people will give thanks to God in all things. In all things. Whether we are on the mountaintop or whether we are in the valley, 
we will give thanks to the Lord. And as those words just kind of settle in, I want to invite you to stand. just good to change positions sometime, isn't it? If you've been seated for a little while and you kind of stand now, you kind of feel the blood moving, and it's good. And now I, 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 I just want you to engage your senses. Because you know when we, when we say things and we hear things and we see things, it, it settles into us more quickly. And I want us to just recite together. You repeat after me these three things that affirm value and identity. Repeat after me. We will walk in love. We will live to make a difference. We will give Thanks to God in all things. And now I just invite you to humble yourself. I want you to look upon his face right now. You know, maybe you've gone the whole week and you've just been so busy and so distracted and running in so many different directions. You haven't just had that, that, that quiet moment where you look to Him and Him alone and let this now be that moment and that jump start to your new week. I want you to look upon Him. Humble yourself. And as you do that, I want you to think about kind of how you came into the room today. And if you could pick one word that says this, this word identifies where I was at when I came to church today. You figure out you know, what that word is. Maybe it was tired. Maybe it's confused. Maybe it was excited. What word identifies where you are at right now? And as you, as you think of that word now, I want you to give that word to Jesus. As you, as you look to Him, as you humble yourself before Him, say, Lord, I give you my frustration, uncertainty. Scriptures say that we're to cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. This is that kind of a moment. And now as you, you give that to Him, make it your prayer. Lord, 
Help me to imitate you. Lord, help me to follow your example. Fill my life with the practices and the values of your kingdom. Lord, give me a hunger for encounter with you. And Lord, as we make this our prayer today, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for what it is stirring up within us. We thank you, Lord, for the clear direction it is providing. And I pray that as we we leave here today, Lord, Lord, may we just move closer to you in whatever way you are calling us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give opportunity now for you to know Jesus. You've never committed your life to him. You've never established him as your Lord. Or ask Him for the forgiveness of your sins, and today can be the day. A simple prayer of confession, an affirmation of faith in Him, is the first step in receiving His gift of salvation and new life. And we'd like to take that step with you today. And if you're here and you say, you know, that is a decision that I've made and a step that I need to take. Would you just raise your hand? We want to know who you are and we'll pray a prayer with you to get that started and to help you along the way that you might know Jesus. Maybe just another moment. Okay, Lord, we thank you But I pray that as we leave here today that you would, you would watch over us and keep us. I pray, Lord, you would pour your blessings into our lives and we pray that your face would shine upon us. And we pray, Lord God, that as we enter into a new week, Lord, may your grace and your peace fill us. And may we reveal you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we hope that you'll join us in person for a service soon. Our service times are on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. God bless you.